Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Great Awakening Podcast. Today we've got a special guest, Luke Avery. You may know him from his YouTube channel, Lamb to Bible Studies, where he has guests over to study the Bible and discuss different uh, biblical teachings and perspectives. Or maybe you've heard him on the Oren McIntyre podcast, where he shared his thoughts recently on how Christians should think about artificial intelligence. He's here to chat with us about how AI is shaping our culture and society, and how Christians should approach it. We'll be diving into some deep topics like the ethical considerations of AI development and how it's impacting our beliefs and values. Luke will also share his thoughts on how we can make sure AI is developed and used in a responsible and ethical way. So join us as we explore this fascinating topic with Luke Avery and gain a fresh perspective on the intersection of faith, technology, and culture. It's going to be a great conversation, and we can't wait to share it with you. Everything I just read was written by artificial intelligence, uh, a particular artificial intelligence uh, called ChatGPT. Maybe you've heard about it. It's very fascinating uh, new technology that is uh, a little bit frightening, a little bit exciting. Um, It's raising a ton of questions about the ethics of artificial intelligence and how we as Christians should think about that. Um, So as I (laughs) had uh, ChatGPT write that intro for me, um, our guest today is uh, Luke Avery. Uh, I recently saw him on the Oren McIntyre podcast and uh, talking about AI, and I thought it was a really helpful conversation. I've been wanting to have someone on. I was trying to figure out who would be a good guest to talk about this with. Uh, Luke is a software engineer. He has a uh, by trade, he has a, a YouTube channel called Lambda Bible Studies. That is, uh, I was actually just a guest on um, earlier today, and uh, it's just a great channel where he uh, takes uh, scripture one passage at a time, has guests on, and we just, they just look. Uh, he goes through the the Word of God and uh, talks about um, what you know God is saying through that passage of scripture. He's uh, a great guy. I'm uh, grateful to get to know him um, a little bit and look forward to getting to know him some more. But um, yeah, this is a, a really fun conversation. Uh, stick with it. It's a little bit um, thinky, but um, it's it's things we really need to be wrestling with. And I think uh, you'll get a lot out of this conversation. So let's uh, jump right into my conversation with Luke. Thanks for coming on the show, Luke. I'm very glad to be here. This is exciting. All right. So for our uh, listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're, uh, what you're all about? Sure. So I, I'm a software engineer uh, by, by day and I guess YouTuber by night. I, I run my own channel uh, called Lambda Bible Studies, where we talk about the Bible. Um, and um, I, I guess I take a particular perspective where I'm firstly consider the Bible to be the inspired word of God. And I, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a Baptist that that's where I come from, from a Christian perspective. Um, and then I, I also have a, maybe a political perspective as well, which is that, um, I'm skeptical of what's, I guess, called progressivism. I've got a, a leaning, um, uh, towards being um suspicious of power and suspicious of the um the big organizations so i i i i try to look at the bible 
and remove some of the um some of the messaging that i think these days sometimes gets kind of brought along with <laughs> uh, christian ideas where um we live in a society which considers itself to be um christian but i think has substantially um twisted christian ideas and it's almost like um you, you could argue progressivism is this sort of heresy that that has branched out of uh, a christian theology well that sounds like we're uh very much aligned there i've been uh listening to some of your um youtube content uh this morning and it's really refreshing kind of a a nice um perspective on a lot of things that are happening on the right uh that is not um you, you, i'm not hearing a lot uh, talked about a lot in kind of the more mainstream evangelical circles so i'm excited to to delve into your kind of back catalog there and uh uh, see the things yeah. you're talking about, but um, the reason, yeah, we'll definitely send. I'll also send people. There'll be link in the the description, the description. to send people your yeah. way. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on is I recently heard you on the Oren McIntyre podcast talking about artificial intelligence, and that mm. is something that I don't think enough Christians are talking about or maybe grasp grappling with the kind of ethical implications of that. So um, mm. you gave a really good explanation of it and had uh, some, I thought, some really helpful thoughts about it. And so um, can you kind of kick us off with, you know, what is artificial intelligence? Are, are we talking mm. about Skynet? Is that what this is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess a lot of the... Um, places people have been exposed to the idea of artificial intelligence has been science fiction of one form or another and and the depictions in science fiction of ai range from um utopian to dystopian really don't they that you you have lots of science fiction stories about ai gone wrong we build a machine that's as smart as us in some sense and then it has some other ulterior motive and ends up uh, destroying us. It's, it's, it's almost a um, Frankenstein, you know, Dr. Frankenstein making his monster kind of mm -hmm. tale. And then on, on the other end is, well, surely once we have been able to outsource thinking to robots, then the world will be a wonderful, magical place and it'll all be brilliant. Um, and, I, and I think the reason that that spectrum exists in the minds of science fiction authors is because um, these reflect the actual ways that people think about AI. What does it mean that a human being um, can create something that can replace us in the intellectual sphere? What does it mean that we have a, a thing that we can interact with that gives us a feeling of agency and yet we created it? Um, I, I, I think there are some... Um, reasons to be concerned there's some genuine issues that we need to think through and understand what's the impact of these new technologies going to be on on us and on society um there's some problems and concerns being thrown around that i think are not real issues that actually we should push back against and say um that this is a um this is a false this is a false fear and then there's mm. some interesting i think um philosophical um 
kind of breakthroughs we can have just from being prompted to think about the topic and we can actually say ah that this teaches us something about ourselves so where are where are we um practically seeing this today um i i've played around with chat gpt and uh mid journey um mm-hmm. can you describe what those are for sure so let's start with chat gpt which is probably over the last week or two been all, all the craze um it's uh, it originates from a language model um it's closely related to something called gpt3 and um Actually, it's interesting to trace back some of these language models further. Um, there's a long history of um, people making text-based, uh, pre- like it's a prediction model. So it, it will um, take a bunch of text and then guess what the next character or the next word is going to be. And you can then put a little bit of a, a shim over the top of it and get it to act like a chatbot. Um, mm-hmm. So. There was a version of this that was launched on Twitter a few years back called Tay, and famously having been released onto the internet for a few hours, Tay began saying things that were not to the likings of, uh, I think it was Microsoft who, who launched that chatbot. Um, yeah. So ChatGPT has sort of, that technology is, imagine it has having been um, brought back in into the pen tinkered with and and sanitized and it's now got lots of stuff going on to make sure that it <laughs> correctly responds to questions um and when i say correctly put that in big inverted commas because this is um this is more along the lines of politically correctly than mm-hmm. factually accurately but anyway yeah so w- w- what it can do is respond to questions in a conversational way it's extremely impressive. If if people haven't tried it, I, I recommend them to go and give it a go because um, it is it is like magic by that old definition that any sufficiently advanced technology feels like magic until you get used yeah. to it. When you first are exposed to ChatGPT, um, it picks up on context of the previous conversation you were having and nuance, and it's very sophisticated. Um, surprisingly simple i think under the hood um as in the sophistication and complexity and nuance exists because it has been fed with an enormous amount of training data and it's built up um if you imagine that the the core of the technology is a series of interconnected neurons a bit like a brain but in software and the connections between those neurons um, are fine-tuned through a training process as it's fed all of this information. And it's in a, a sort of a black box style. It has encoded all the data and all of the um, complexities of human culture uh, in, in the weights uh, of this neural network. And then um, it's able to, to therefore give you back a very good simulation of human communication. Um, it's also been used to be useful so people can, for example, ask it to give them back computer code and it can then, you, you can take the code that it gives you and run it. And it's very often 
accurate, compilable, yeah. correct code that does the job that you asked for. Um, so, so it's not perfect, but it is a giant leap forwards from what people have experienced before. Yeah, I, I first started playing with it back over the Christmas holidays and began, I, I asked it to write a love letter to my wife. And I mm. fed it some, some information about my wife and that she's a homeschool mom. And I appreciate, you know, all that she does for our family and all of this stuff. And it, in a matter of seconds, spit out something better than I've ever written her. And wow, yeah. it was, it, that, it, that just blew my mind. And going down you from that point <laughs> i just tumbled in, down the rabbit hole like what can this thing do and mm-hmm. was uh i'm part of the teaching team at our church and one of you know the things i was asked to do is come up with some uh, discussion questions for a sermon series on church membership uh, church membership and i asked it to give me some discussion questions and they were better than anything i would have come up with <laughs> Yep. And I, I did similar. I, I had a Bible study that I had to lead for my um my house group. And I just uh put in the passage that we were going to talk about and said, give me some Bible study questions for this passage. Um and you could ask it, give me some application questions for the passage. Give me, you know, you can you can really iterate. And um, you know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't tell the people in the Bible study that these were AI generated questions. Right. Um uh, but th- they were they were asking, oh, th- those are really great questions. Can you send them to me afterwards? <laughs> uh, yeah, that and that raises so many questions that I yeah. think we've got to start tangling with. Mm-hmm. Is that ethical? Is right. that is this? I mean, I, I would imagine, um, you know, on one end of the spectrum, I can think of something like Grammarly that helped correct our grammar like i would never in a million years think that i need to disclose that to you know the small group where i'm using these questions um but do i with this is this Mm. you know is this just the next evolution of something like a grammarly that fixes grammar or is this akin to plagiarism where i'm having a machine do something that i need to be doing Mm. I think these are all questions that need to be answered over the next few years. We've we're kind of just been landed with this as a new issue. And I imagine um, that there will come about strong consensus about some of the you know, ground, ground rules for these kinds of things. Um, there, these are some of the issues that you might run into. So one of them is I asked it to summarize, for example, um, what, what's the, what is a Baptist's teaching on baptism? And it, it came back with quite a lot of interesting and largely correct information. But one of the things it said was um, that Baptists um, usually require somebody to be um, baptized after they become a believer, and it seems quite obvious to me. <laughs> it's always, but it's all. But the way ChatGPT behaves is it's it's very, um, it's keen on hedging statements. I guess it, it knows in some sense that 
um it it's less likely to be wrong if it puts in caveats and qualifiers people mm-hmm. people do do the same thing but that's um or or likewise if you ask i asked it about what's the what does the bible teach about i'm trying to think which examples i tried um so, oh yes, okay. So, so suppose it was um, homosexuality, and the answer that it came back with was was sort of um, the Bible is a complex collection of books written over many years, and different people have different opinions about what it teaches, and it ended up s- s- concluding with the phrase along the lines of, um, "So it's up to every individual Christian to decide for themselves." what they feel about this issue um and the the trouble is that then would leave anybody who read that under the impression that anybody any christian who disagrees with um say somebody getting married to somebody of the same sex um the only reason they disagree with it is because they felt like it like they just um originated out of their own heart that they mm-hmm. thought oh, i don't really like this and i can use the bible to justify my position um so if you're writing a bible study and relying on chat gpt you don't know what other beliefs and assumptions are being smuggled in under the surface mm-hmm. um e- either by the deliberate decision of the people who put together the ai and their ideology or in a more hidden way and, and an accidental way by the training data that was passed in because after all as i mentioned before the core of the technology is just text prediction so mm-hmm. it will pick up from your prompt probably the type of training data the community that 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 question is about it'll say oh i'll go and find out what christians from my training data would probably say in this situation um Mm -hmm. and if you go to the internet and just generically ask christians like say you go to the christian subreddit like r slash christianity the type of answer you will probably receive is a particular you know it, it it kind of reflects a very like american liberal 2020 position on a given question which is to say often not the same thing as what the bible actually says right Um, and the kinds of questions that you might get for a passage on the bible will be um bringing out the aspects of the passage that we're comfortable with maybe you know the Mm -hmm. passage encourages us to be loving to one another um, rather than the challenging questions that might come out of the passage from a, an actual person reading it and saying, actually, um, this is quite difficult for me to understand, so I'm going to dig in and focus on that, that uncomfortable mm-hmm. truth, uh, which is, I think, what we ought to do as, uh, you know, as, as thoughtful Christians when we're studying a passage and, and considering it in the context of our environment is we actually don't want to be synthesizing the bible with the morality that that we exist within we we should be right. looking at where god is challenging our that you know the, the beliefs of our culture mm-hmm. 
And what I I find fascinating is that I've done similar experiment experiments. If you then tailor that, say no, no, give it to me from a reformed perspective. Mm-hmm. It rewrites it in a much more you know biblically faithful way. Right. Um, in in some cases, in other cases, and we can get to this. Uh, it's a whole nother thing. Um, mm-hmm. It it will. Um, say I can't do that. <laughs> yes, it, and you can tell very clearly that this is not the AI generating this. This was an AI leash that I ran into mm-hmm. that says, "Nope, that is off limits." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and if you if you ask it to uh, give me the perspective as if you were Jonathan Edwards, for example, it'd probably do quite a good job. Um, mm-hmm. But you are at the whims of the people running the thing deciding. Jonathan Edwards is an unacceptable, you know, they decide he's a bigot or something. And then they say, sorry, uh, you know, it's inappropriate to, <laughs> to speculate on the, the thinking of this person. Or maybe it's worse if they don't tell you that they're denying it and they just s- subtly change the answers without telling you. Um, maybe worth remembering, I, I, I guess it's useful to tag this caveat early on in the discussion um let's remember ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun so whilst we have a tendency to be confronted with new technology and and think well here is a thing that has not been before (laughs) but the the Mm. teacher in ecclesiastes says no no actually it has been um often what we're really just seeing is a, a, a new form or a new presentation of a pre-existing problem and actually the tools that preachers have been using to write sermons for years are books and concordances and and you know um commentaries that were published and the publishers probably had a, a set of beliefs the publishers were probably acting within a um you know, a, a framework, a legal framework where certain ideas were more or less politic. And so, you know, all of us are already living in an environment where we should be skeptical of the tools that we take mm-hmm. to help us on our, in, in our lives and on our spiritual journeys. Um, and we, we come even if we're just reading the scriptures ourselves even if we're reading them in the original language we are bringing ideas and contexts in our own brains that might be unhelpful mm-hmm. um that you know to some degree there is some postmodernist warning that comes along with any self analysis of the text um and and it reminds me of um there are again some some verses from the wisdom literature in the Bible that talk about how you know how can we even understand our own steps? And of course, the the answer is that we lean on the Holy Spirit and and we we trust in God that He can preserve His church and He can guide us into truth, regardless of the obstacles in our way. And that includes these new. Um, AI tools that could be as much of a menace as as they are a, a help. I think mm-hmm. if we choose to embrace them, we need to be wise. We need to be um, 
aware of the dangers of the society in which we live and the forces working against us. But we also need to trust God rather than being full of panic and anxiety about it. Yeah. Yeah. I almost think um, it, it's in a way it it's similar to Google where, like you said, if you, if you, I were to just Google, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? I'm probably going to have to filter through several pages of what the, what the world wants me to think the Bible says about it to get right. to some good resources. And I almost think this could be, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a certain skill to giving it the right prompts to get actual useful content back. Like mm -hmm. if I don't have a knowledge of the Bible and I ask it to give me discussion questions for a small group and that sends, you know, the people in my small group down a path towards heresy, well, that's not being faithful. That's allowing the, the yes. AI to, to shape, you know, the way we think. But if I'm, if I'm coming to it with a knowledge of scripture and I'm using it to, you know, by giving it good prompts to generate really robust questions that I could have spent a week coming up with, but it's Friday night and we're about to meet and I want to make that, you know, that time together more rich and, and valuable. Well, then it might be a, a useful tool in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so these are the things that I'm, I'm personally wrestling with. Um, you know, you, you, you talked earlier about, um, the, the training of, um, you know, I, I, I'm a software engineer also, um, by trade. I, my company paid for a, a machine learning course and I quickly learned that is not, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is not the, the specialization I want to, to go toward, um, uh, much more visual, um, front end guy. Sure. But, um, one thing that did really stick with me is that there is it's training data it's all of the ai is supplied data that is steering it in in certain directions um how do you think we're going to get to a point where um you know just like the internet when it was first you know it was kind of the wild west and gradually it gets more and more you know <laughs> Uh, boxed into like these are the appropriate views. Do you think we're going to see that with AI more and more? Yes, and I think it will be quicker than what happened with the internet. Um, as I mentioned, the Chat GPT software, you're not actually interfacing directly with um, the prediction engine. There is what they call a um, I think it's called a task head or a task focused head, um, which is the piece that gives you a lot of the rote answers. If you see a formulaic thing that's always word for word the same, then that that's the um, that's their detection. They you know they've picked up on certain semantic ideas that they want to have uh, direct intervention upon. Um, and I've also heard discussions with people who are at the cutting edge of developing this technology who are saying we need to bias the training set we need to deliberately mm -hmm. go through and comb what's being allowed to be trained on um and the types of things that they're worried about is is the kinds of things often that i'm thinking actually you're removing quite 
useful information, you're, you're removing true things and you're, mm-hmm. you're re-emphasizing uh, lies and falsehoods. Um, now, I, I don't know how self-conscious the people who are building this technology are. I often think of the engineers themselves as being a bit like the, um, the bumbling fools, but they're, they're sort of savant-like and they can, <laughs> they can just do whatever they're told to do. They care about the, mm-hmm. pro- the kind of intellectual curiosity that's in front of them. It's the old Jurassic Park syndrome of um they mm. they just they, they just can't foresee um the outcome of what they're building they they're just worried about what, what whether it works or not as an intellectual curiosity um yeah I, I guess the question to think about is does your average christian across the world have more or less of a barrier to understanding god's word today or 10 years ago or 100 years ago or in the middle ages um you could argue as as you mentioned the internet kind of was the wild west for a while and actually allowed people if they were interested to go and find <laughs> kind of all kinds of information and um and now we seem to be entering increasingly into an era of hyper control where um I mean, how many churches are still putting out their sermons every week on the public internet since um, the lockdowns happened and that hasn't stopped? But then when you're a preacher and you're about to talk about something that's controversial, how aware are you that that your words are probably being automatically transcribed and listened to? Um, and mm. I think it's this, that's this, the same sort of trend is happening in in AI, where these tools will become impossible to avoid in the same way as it's very difficult to have a job these days where you don't use a computer and you don't have mm-hmm. a phone. And the phone comes with all of these things that you probably don't want in your life, like the, um, the access to pornography, right? That you, you, you just, um, if, if, you're, if you're using a computer, it'll have an internet connection and a browser and mm-hmm. you, you have to work really hard to lock it down so that you don't have access to those things. And then you're, you know, the lock is all, all, often only as good as you are anyway. Um, so you say, okay, so now in order to have a job, I have to be in this kind of, um, you know, I, I have to be like Lot living next to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and then you say, <laughs> okay, well, and now in order to do my job, I have to interface with a technological simulacrum of a human who has been potentially pre-trained to brainwash me into certain ideas, <laughs> to restrict yeah. information from me, to take what I'm building and subtly subvert it in ways that I could never spot. Um, th- there are some very malevolent possibilities here that we, I think, do need to be um, aware of. But then on the other hand, most technologies have this um, double-edged nature. Um, mm-hmm. the, the potential is enormous. Um, chat, these kind of language models probably will um, enable us to translate the Bible into languages which we would never have had the manpower to do before. Um, mm-hmm. Or indeed will enable people to speak English you know, without having to uh, have access to a native speaker to, to talk to. So. 
um you know on the one hand it's the the tool of the enemy and on the on the other hand it's the means by which we are taking the gospel to every tribe tongue and nation um yeah i i I, i've had this battle within me about the good and the bad of technology for for quite a few years now and uh, as a technologist i think you can't help but feel a bit conflicted about um about your stock in trade when you say um sure you know it's it's the tool by which progress is made and progress seems to be in the wrong direction (laughs) right yeah i mean you know there's nothing wrong with building a tower but we always end up (laughs) trying to build a a tower of babel with uh, whatever technology yeah as a builder just make sure you're double checking your clients goals (laughs) i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh one of the things that's really i don't just un- unsettled me about this um is i don't know i feel like it, it in my interactions with chat gpt it has revealed what happens in in a lot of ways it's it's kind of mimicking what happens in society at large really fast um, mm. and, and let me see if I can explain that better. When I, if I were to sit down, you know, use the love letter to my wife, um, as an example, um, if I were to sit down and I'm going to devote, you know, a day to doing this and really impressing her and, and doing this, I'm subconsciously pulling from all of these sources that I have just subconsciously taken in over the years, you know, Mm. from movies or from books I've read. So there is this kind of platonic ideal of a love letter (laughs) tailored to my wife that exists in there. That's coming from all these sources. That's not really original to me. And AI can do that instantly. Mm. And so it's raising all these questions for me about do we, ever make anything original is Mm. is originality i don't know is it is it possible is it valuable um Mm. and i think that's that's where you know i i almost think that it's revealing how much we've been phoning in things but Mm. i don't know that that's i can't (laughs) decide whether or not that's that's bad or that's just inevitable (laughs) Hmm. I I think the love letter example is fascinating and really worth like looking at from a few different directions. Um, so I guess the first thing is let's suppose that you in a previous era, rather than writing a love letter, you had, um, constructed a, I don't know. I, you 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 built something like a a large uh, a feat of manual strength that was an expression of your love for your wife. Look, mm. my dear, I have built you this, <laughs> and you, you gesture towards the giant construction that you know that you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into. Um, now, suppose that the JCB. Uh, you know, the, a bunch of um, mechanical aids were invented, and you then 
presented the same thing but instead of it taking you weeks it had taken you one day and you'd used you know a mechanical digger and all this um it th there is a sense in which we've got to be clear if we are if we're expressing our love through the effort that we've put into something you know one one way of showing love is i chose to spend my time and my energy mm. doing this for you and if you're faking it if you're being deceptive that that's the issue so um so if you choose to build something by hand you know sewing or sculpting or something that you know you could still do as a an object and it takes time the love the expression of human connection is is in the genuine time that you sunk into it and mm. you know it's nice if the object reflects that and i think the same can be true that even though you can produce you know you can you can make a more pristine handbag with a sewing machine but the slight inaccuracies of a hand-stitched leather item um convey humanity and i suspect the mm. same will be true maybe we'll be able to spot the work of an ai you know oh this love letter is pristine but it's somehow cold and indifferent mm -hmm. um, we are very quick to spot early cgi if you go back and watch movies that that were the very first you know around the turn of the millennium um when when you saw um people go to the cinemas and be absolutely blown away by the <laughs> the amazing um accuracy of these renders and now if we watch those films even children can pick up immediately mm -hmm. that then they're so unrealistic why is that well we've been able to train our own brains to pattern seek and understand the limitations mm. of early cgi technology and actually even though chat gpt has only been around for a short amount of time i feel like i've already got a feeling for the types of clues that you get that something was produced mm -hmm. by chat gpt and now computer rendering these days is so good that it is difficult to spot quite often you can be fooled but you can certainly tell in the early days so i guess what i'm saying is we maybe have um you know maybe we will be able to just spot stuff that was computer you know a computer generated text produced in 2023 um yeah maybe difficult for us to discern because it's a brand new technology but i suspect in a few years people will be able to look back and spot Oh look, that preacher in 2023 started <laughs> preaching sermons that were <laughs> that was generated by text. Um, so I think pe people, if they are trying to duplicitously use the technology right now, might actually get caught out. Um, mm. And and I think we will get to a point where um, the the poetry that ChatGPT produces. Um, will only be as personal as the amount of effort that you put in anyway. So I imagine if you if you made a prompt that was full of actual memories, 
and ChatGPT just almost like rotated the input to show you the mm -hmm. same thing that you put in from a different perspective. Um, that's not necessarily inauthentic. You know, it's, it, mm -hmm. it, it is still your actual feelings and memories that are being represented. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I, I think we have to, we, we're going to have to just become comfortable with making a moral call on a case by case basis about um is this is this appropriate or or is this going to leave a, a sour taste in in our mouths yeah interestingly enough i i did send that to my wife with the caveat up front this was written by ai and her response How was, it was received <laughs> yeah i can tell it's it's too perfect and uh, uh, i think that's mm. That's interesting. There, you said something on Oren's show that really, I think, captures this. Where you said that um, all that AI, we're made in the image of God. And so everything that we create is going to have those fingerprints on it. Mm -hmm. But all that AI can ever do is create something in the image of us. Mm. And I think that is so profound. There's, there's something almost um, natural in the recursive nature of it, isn't it? Um, we are in the image of God, and it's not clear exactly what that means, but it does appear that we are creative in the same way as God is the, the great creator. Um, we reflect that by creating in turn. Um, and, and then the question becomes, so God created an image of himself. So do we also seek to create images of, of ourselves? Is that just an mm. inevitable part of being in God's image that it's, it's going to be wow. creatures being creators all the way down? And, and I don't think this is actually new because um, even in fiction, if you write a story, if you tell your children a story um, about fantastical worlds you're using language to conjure in the heads of your children an imaginary universe of, of your creation with people in it mm. who, who in some way reflect what you've noticed of, of humanity um but but all of it all the way you know you could imagine it like nesting dolls you could tell a story about someone creating you know somebody who is a writer or a, or a poet um Every, but everything ultimately popped the stack back up. It's like um, it's like Descartes who said, um, "I think, therefore I am." Even if my senses are being deceived, there's still a core of I. But in the same way, no matter how many times you get image of an image of an image, copy of a copy of a copy, the root, the like master source, the thing upon which the first copy was made is god and all you're seeing is all you're seeing is kind of tributes to tributes to tributes mm. to god um e e either i mean hopefully as christians we are part of the the positive lineage of of praising god and creating in his image um as as a way to magnify his name mm -hmm. i'm sure there's also the the flip side of that where you get artists 
doing the same thing in a, in a subversive way, either attacking God or proudly trying to, to imitate and, and subvert him. So, uh, I mean, the fact that we are particularly threatened by artificial intelligence maybe is a sign of our post-enlightenment rationalism that we consider it to be most threatening to us when it's intelligence that's being recreated artificially mm. and, and for some reason we don't feel as threatened by artificial like a statue which is kind of a, it's like a human image in the visual form and where an ai mm. is a human image in the you know in the case of chat gpt it's in the form of a conversation um mm -hmm. we haven't really talked about the image generation ais but there you have yeah. you know human artistry being replicated you know it becomes like a photographer or a painter or or whatever and yeah i i, th I think whenever we as humans make a copy of ourselves we are doing the same thing that god did on day six of creation right we're mm -hmm. we're echoing god's nature because we are images of god and i i think we maybe as technologists if we're working on artificial intelligence um that i think there's a perfectly right way to think about it where we say um like lord thank you for making me in your image and giving me joy in the process of creation and and lord in the same way as i am a you know reasonably accomplished technologist making this artificial intelligence yet it just shows to me all the more how much greater you are having made mm. me you know i'm making yeah. something that's a pale imitation of my own intelligence um and and yet you are supremely intelligent and only gave me a tiny fraction of of your understanding um so mm. I, I don't i don't know that we need to be threatened um I, I think there's lots of christians focused on um e either decrying artificial intelligence as as a threat to our humanity or um trying to pretend that there isn't any connection and actually I, I, it seems like it's very obviously is a it's an act of self-recreation and the mm -hmm. obvious question is why are we doing that and i think it is partly um you know it's partly um another evidence of the fact that we have some dna within us we have some spark of the the divine source mm -hmm. of, of of all things do you think ai ever like in the movies becomes conscious that it is a creation that it thinks it's a you good know, question it's kind of on its own <laughs> <laughs> um I, I believe that um this is a sort of a confusion of uh of types so i guess we think of um the power of emergence right you can say to an ant 
Well, you can't say anything to an ant. They're so stupid. That's kind of the point. They're following these super simple laws. Each ant is just maybe like laying some pheromones and following pheromones. And you could, if you were writing it in code, you know, the, the whole ant brain is probably like 30 lines of code. And yet you see them building a, a, an intricate system where they've got gardening going on. And they're, again, referencing, um, is it Proverbs, where it talks about they, you know, they, they, they don't plan ahead, and yet they, God provides for them. You know that the, mm-hmm. the, the, there is this wonder in creation of of the power of emergence, where simple rules can lead to complex behaviors, and uh, that's a totally amazing thing to study. And lots of people then say, "Well, we've built something using machine learning, which has." an emergent property of conscious experience. We can't tell, but it's, after all, what else is a human except a brain? And we have consciousness Mm -hmm. as an emergent property. This is the argument that's made. Um, However, I think consciousness is self-evidently a different sort of thing than a physical object. And it's just to me, incomprehensible to think that we could build something physical that could produce the same richness of experience, the, the simple, like the Descartes, the, the Cartesian thing I mentioned before of um, cogito ego sum, right? I, I think, and it's not just a behavior, but it is an a internal experience of being me. Um, Mm. the fact that this, in my mind, self-evidently and obviously and axiomatically can't be something that was produced by material itself is, I think, a very strong evidence against materialism. But for so many people, materialism is their axiom, and therefore they have to assume that Mm. the AI that's been built produces consciousness. I mean, I've had this conversation with so many people who are atheists and they they seem unable to grasp what I'm communicating. So I don't know. <laughs> to me, it seems very clear, but to other people, they seem not to be able to grasp it. So I, I, I guess <laughs> all I can do is restate what seems apparent to me and hopefully yeah. for some people out there that, that resonates. Well, it's almost like their worldview depends depends on the ability to reproduce that in a machine otherwise there is another (laughs) transcendent layer to all of this it it turns out that their view that the universe exists as nothing but a set of physical laws and that there is no god nor is there any spiritual realm is extremely difficult to believe and implausible (laughs) it doesn't match our (laughs) observations of reality Mm. but there you are (laughs) They seem determined for some reason to believe it anyway. And one wonders if it's the license that it gives them um, morally. Mm. Yeah. Well, Luke, this has been, I think, super helpful. A lot uh, Great. to chew on. Um, yeah. I don't think this is the end of the conversation. It's the beginning of uh, a lot of uh, thinking for Christian uh, Christians to wrestle with. But um, before I let you go, um, 
I like to end each show. Uh, there's so many black pills out there that we could be, you know, despairing over. Uh, and we didn't even get into the, you know, aspect of is this going to displace all of our jobs? And that's a whole nother, that could be a whole nother show. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what has given you hope right now? Get, leave us mm-hmm. with a white pill. I think, well, huh, this is a sort of um, a white pill wrapped in a black pill, as it were. So the, 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 the heart of it, I think, is a white pill. Um, <laughs> um, there's a real danger in nominalism. So many people grew up believing that they were Christians because they were in a Christian country. Maybe they even went to church, and the church was trying to wrestle what the Bible said in line with what society around them was saying. I think that's becoming increasingly difficult to sustain because we're, we're seeing aggressive anti-Christian messaging more and more um, to the point where you, it will be infeasible to say, I believe everything that society says and everything that the Bible says at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's the wrapper that looks like a black pill. I think the the white pill within that is actually um it makes the it makes the reality of our situation much plainer. I think people are learning that they have to decide whether to trust God or to go along to get along in in the modern age and and I'm seeing a lot of people um so for example, my YouTube channel a lot of the audience um, are people who started to question the things that they were being told as they grew up. So they they would like, you know, a, a lot of this stuff turns out to have been lies that I was told. And one of the things I was told growing up, this is kind of a, a connected idea, not exactly the same as what I just said. So a lot of people were saying, oh, I... I grew up believing this, but now it's not true. What other things was I taught as I was growing up? Oh, I was taught all religions are the same, or oh, I was taught that Christianity is just this evil, you know, old-fashioned patriarchal, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Actually, maybe there's something to this Christianity lark. So I, I think in both of those ways, we're, we're seeing new avenues for the gospel opening up. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the, the true church of Christ does um, become stronger the more it is persecuted. Um, so mm-hmm. just as as many black pills as we see, each one of them, I think, contains a potential white pill for the church because um, actually the rich man was told that it's easier to get, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for him to get to heaven. Um, you know, the the comfortable, easy life that Christians have had historically in the West, I think has actually been very draining spiritually. Um, mm. So I guess I want to send out encouragement to people that um, <laughs> if you're feeling bleak in worldly terms, actually perhaps you should feel encouraged in, in, in spiritual terms. Well, that's great. Um, tell people where they can find your uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, for sure. So if you search in YouTube, Lambda Bible Studies. That's Lambda, like the Greek letter, L-A-M-B-D-A, Lambda Bible Studies. 
And we basically every stream we pick a a passage of scripture, maybe a chapter, maybe a little a, a little bit shorter than that, and we just talk about it for about an hour and try to get to the bottom of what's God's word um, actually trying to say. You know, read from it, ex, you know, out of the text rather than just putting into the text what what we want to find. Excellent. Well, I'm grateful you're out there with that uh, type of content and we'll definitely send people your way. Thanks so much. uh, Yeah, thanks. That's our show for today. Big thanks to Luke Avery for joining me for this conversation. Be sure to head over to YouTube and subscribe to his channel. That is Lambda Bible Studies. Uh, It's a great channel with some great content. He has really interesting guests on to Uh, talk through a particular passage of scripture and kind of unpack what God is saying in his word. Um, He's a really uh, sharp guy, a good thinker. You can follow him on Twitter at I am Lambda. So go ahead and head over there and give him a follow as well. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with your friends. Um, This is a big topic that a lot of people are going to be talking about and Christians really need to kind of get Uh, play some catch up to really think through the ethics of this. So I think I hope this uh, conversation is a uh, this particular episode is a conversation starter. So, um, yeah, please share that um, far and wide. Ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts are a big help to getting the word out about the show. Uh, Also, if you're listening, we've got a, a YouTube channel ourselves, um, not as um, many subscribers as the podcast. So if you're not subscribed over at YouTube, I would appreciate you go over there. Uh, you can find the link in the show note or just uh, search up Josh Dawes on YouTube. Um, if you are watching, uh, go ahead and hit like and subscribe and uh, you'll be sure not to miss uh, content that is coming up soon. So I've got some great guests lined up. You definitely want to be subscribed for that. So until next time, I will talk to you soon.